You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 351. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen, all the way on the other side of the big pond. How are you, David? Hello. Hello. So we were uh, kind of fell down a little bit of a rabbit hole getting ready to record. Uh, David has never watched. We were discussing Solo. We haven't seen the movie yet, but David, of course, is on the side of, I want to see new characters. I don't see the retreads. And I'm like, I want to see both. I kind of want to see the Star Wars canon stuff that I'm used to, the characters like an Obi-Wan, Boba Fett, Solo. But I also want to see the new stuff like Rogue One. I think there's room for both. And David's being a fuddy-duddy. And, <laughs> I know, I want new. So anyways, um, we talked about Boba Fett. And uh, you said something about the Sarlacc pit. So I didn't realize you've never seen any of the Star Wars robot chicken. Yep. And uh, so I shared that one with him, and then I showed my I shared my favorite two clips. So if, you, if you guys have never seen Robot Chicken, I'm not a huge fan, but the superhero Robot Chicken stuff, the DC stuff, and the uh, Star Wars stuff is just brilliant. It's so good. And so I showed, shared two other clips. One, the Emperor talking to these two guys in his office when Darth Vader calls that the original Death Star was blown up. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And then the other one where... He's running to an elevator, and the stormtrooper won't hold the door for him. And then the escalator scene is just, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Good stuff. How you been? Yeah. I've been okay. Yeah, I'm getting ready to go on vacation, so uh, busy this week. You know what it's like before you go away. You've got to get everything lined up for the fact you're not going to be around. Nope, I don't know that. I, we don't go anywhere. <laughs> no, I, I know that, because you never go on vacation. That's right. Yeah. Bills so to you pay, don't brother. have that problem. No. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much taken most of my time up. Of course, I had to um, <laughs> I had to make sure all the children are fully equipped with equipment and uh, new videos to watch on their um, watch on their devices. I came home from London last night and I found my daughter has left her iPad on my pillow with a, a misspelt <laughs> with like yellow post-it notes on please charge of course she'd misspelled both please and charge mm. it was kind of cute you know <laughs> yep priorities uh, yeah exactly yeah so uh you know we're going to sail around the world but she wants to make sure she can watch something on her ipad fun yeah so um a couple of cool things going on not really i'm trying to put a positive spin on it right at the beginning in tech right now. Uh, let's start with this text that you sent me. And um, there's actually a, a follow-up that I saw. Uh, police use Amazon's face recognition services draws privacy warnings. So yes. it's a cloud-based service that Amazon has. It's, I, I wouldn't expect this from Amazon, to be honest with you. Well, I, I, it sounds like something they built on the back of the fact they have AWS. So AWS, Amazon Web Services, is a big cloud computing facility that originally they, they built to run the Amazon business on, and then they started reselling, and now it's a very, very major part of their business. Um, and on there, they built a facial recognition engine. 
and facial recognition to improve that sort of stuff needs data. So what they've been doing is effectively offering it to law enforcement, saying, look, plug your cameras into this and then we'll do facial recognition for you as a service. Facial recognition is a service. <laughs> you know, spy as a service, whatever you don't call it. Um, and turns out loads of American law enforcement agencies, uh, police uh, departments have been using this, kind of without any of that legal oversight or warrants or anything like this. It's just, oh, it's a service on the internet, so we can just buy into it. And that's what they've been doing. Really? Um, is this the kind of business Amazon really wants to get into? Do Are they really trying to just destroy their reputation? How well, about I just think, sell stuff, Amazon? There, there you go. Just sell stuff. That's not, you know, hurtful because they can say, well, we're selling this. Well, yes, but. <sighs> but uh, to me, this kind of comes across a little bit like um, the things we were talking about last week with uh, with the Google um, telephoning people up type of thing. It's like just because you technically can, can can do something doesn't mean necessarily it's a good idea to do it. Yep. Uh, and and the, the and but what I what I found interesting about this is what it absolutely demonstrates is that uh, law enforcement in particular but often many branches of government will, without a thought of the um, moral implications of doing something, just kind of use something if it becomes available they think it's going to make their job easier. They will just push any sort of, should we use this to one side, and just go to pile in and go, hey, this is going to make our lives easier. Um, and then kind of, uh, and we've seen this before with other other technologies like Stingrays, and Stingrays are the ones that, that kind of set up and like a honey trap cell tower so that you can monitor other people's conversations. They'll, they'll, they'll start using this. And then when they get found out, they'll stonewall about admitting it and, and give false information about what's going on and how much has been used and everything all also can to try and continue to be able to use it without those pesky, uh, constitutional or legal challenges. I don't know. It's, I understand why they would want to have something like this in law enforcement. And it's really easy to, to point to the positive aspects. What if there's a, a, a kidnapped child? What if there's a, a Unabomber type of guy out there? How, what if something happens and they can use this phrase of recognition to pinpoint at the Boston Marathon exactly who put this bomb there? You know, so I understand from a law perspective why this would be great. And and look, London is famous for having cameras freaking everywhere. You can't scratch your butt without someone recording it in London. Well, yeah, the whole of the UK, we are completely yeah. mad about CCTV and um, it's everywhere. And if it's not public CCTV, which is very extensive or a highway CCTV, then every pretty much every business has CCTV on it, and the police will go and ask to see that when there's been a crime in the area. Um, that, the, the issue is is that those sort of examples that you, you just gave there are all well and good. Those are these sort of examples nobody would argue with. But the problem is, is that police overreach and legal overreach and government overreach uh, starts with those sorts of arguments exactly and then and then before you know it it's basically facial recognizing everybody who walks past the camera as oh you you didn't pay your parking ticket send an officer to go and pick you up 
Yeah. Oh, I say, you know, I'm, look, here's a good example, right? I'm, I'm currently working for a government department in London. Yeah. Now, suppose during my lunch break, I leave my building, which is part of the Ministry of Justice. Um, we're subletting part of that building. And I go and I, I walk across London, feel like, you know, it's a nice sunny day. I'm going to take a, a, a 20 minute, half an hour stroll. And I end up somewhere i think right now i'm hungry i'm going to go into a pub and get a drink and some lunch uh and i'm being facial recognized the whole way because as you say there's cameras everywhere and they've got a system turns on that basically flags flags up people you know whenever they want to now this pub i go into happens to be next to the russian embassy and somebody who is suspected of being rather than a diplomat is actually being a spy walks into that pub directly behind me yeah. Then I walk back to my office, and before I know it, I've got two officers at my desk going, um, "We have reason to believe you may have met with a Russian operative on this private, pro- this secure project." You want? I go. What? I have no idea what you're talking about. But this is the problem: is that when you have this technology, you can take two and two and two, and instead of making six, you make eight or ten or fourteen or whatever. Hmm. And that, that's the sort of thing when it starts becoming scary. That's the sort of thing where all of a sudden we've gone from being a state of, of you know, living in, in a free world where we live instead of we're living in a police state yeah. where people start saying, why did you do that? If you have nothing to hide, you've no need to be afraid of us tracking your every movement. It's a... Uh... It is the slippery slope that we like to point out here on TechFan. Because while we would like to think that tech itself is benign, and it is, it's the implementation of this tech. And as you said, the far-reaching consequences that you have to take into consideration when you're discussing any new technology. You know, and I think this is kind of a recurring theme here on TechFan. Because we are fans of tech. We really are. But it can be, like anything else, used for various notorious purposes. And I think it's shows like ours that really need to draw attention to these potential problems. And at the very least, inform people that this is going on. Because when more people realize some of the consequences and the actions... That's when the positive things can come out of these new technologies. So it's yeah. not that Dave and I are walking around with tinfoil hats, but we also want to be informed ourselves and to inform others. That, that That's kind of the impetus of what we do here. I mean, we have yeah. fun, but we like to inform people. We like to let people know, hey, this technology is cool, but look what so-and-so is doing with it. That's not cool. I, th- I think that's the problem is we've moved into an era where um, people just go straight ahead and deploy and, and there's never any debate about whether they should or what the implications of that are. And, and that's what's disappointing is that this can get, you know, we live in a world where this sort of very morally uh, difficult technology can be deployed in private and then used by government officials. Uh, and until it appears in the media, nobody knows anything about it. That's right. You know, and you you extrapolate that if you say, well, okay, maybe if it, it wasn't facial recognition, but what happens if it was baby cloning? Yeah. You no. Know? 
And all of a sudden we were churning out the same copy of the same person over and over and over again. And it's like, is that the sort of thing that, you would do? well, company can do it, so they should just be able to do it. So that uh, leads us to our next thing, which is Amazon's Alexa and what's going on there. Yeah, so um, th- this was a couple who uh, – this this was really kind of disturbing. They have a, a, an echo – a set, set of echoes in their house, and um, – one of their husbands, one of her husband's colleagues, calls them up one day. And says, "You need to disconnect all your echoes." And they're going, "What are you talking about?" He says, "Well, well I received a message where I heard you talking about. I think we were talking about hardwood floors or something like that." And they realised that actually, somehow, the uh, echo had recorded a conversation and sent it to a friend of theirs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, the initial reports were. Um, they they were it was from the TV local TV news, so the the level of journalism was not particularly hard hitting. No, um, but they had managed to get a statement apparently from Amazon saying, "Yes, we're aware of this. That does this does appear to have happened." Now, since then, uh, this morning, I saw another statement from Amazon that had more details in. I think this was on the Verge, um, and and Amazon has basically said, "Yes, we think what happened was that uh, in conversation." The Echo heard something that well, it here. thought was the trigger word. Well, here it is. Echo woke up to a word in the background in a background conversation sounding like Alexa. Then the subsequent conversations was heard as a send message request, at which point Alexa said out loud, to whom? At which point the background conversation was interpreted as a name in a customer in the customer's contact list. Alexa then asked out loud, correct name, right? Alexa then interpreted background conversation as right. As unlikely as this string of events is, we are evaluating options to make this case even less likely. Hmm. That's, uh, that's well, as I, as I said, that's a pretty major bug. That sounds, you know, it, it, it's the sort of thing that when they give that explanation that you think, well, hang on a minute, surely this system can't be so weak that that would happen. Well, you and have yet, to make I, it. You have to make it compatible, uh, capable enough to understand when you say a trigger word, and then powerful enough and intuitive enough to understand what you're saying, what you want done, and for it to act on that. So that takes a level of sophistication that c- should be commended. However, yeah. false positives, especially when you're when it's emailing someone a conversation goes beyond that level of sophistication and into what the hell were you thinking? So this is using a relatively new feature on Alexa, which is um, on these devices, which is the, the sending of messages. And they've been advertising this pretty heavily since it came out here in the UK. It was about six months ago. So you can, uh, and I have this set up at home because my son has an Echo Dot in his room and I have an Echo Dot upstairs in my bedroom. And so I often use it to um, assist him in getting out of bed in the morning. (laughs) Put it that way, without having to scream down the stairs at him. So, um, yes, the idea is is that that you actually have to kind of set it up on the app and then you have to assign it certain contacts of people you know you can contact. But um, presumably this is something they've done in this case, and then it then it kind of went wrong. What amazes me about it is that clearly they were having a conversation within microphone pickup of the Alexa, but 
the the volume was turned down enough that they couldn't hear it. Uh, they didn't see the light on it, and they couldn't hear it talking as it tried to interpret what was going on. I'm, I must admit, I'm I'm slightly annoyed with all of these things that you can't set the pickup word to be anything you want, the trigger word. Yes. Because one of the problems with Alexa, for me, is that I can't use Alexa as a trigger word because my son is called Alexander. Yeah, too close. Which means that we have a conversation about him or to him in its earshot and it will start triggering. So we've changed it to, uh, I think we've got Echo on ours. But um, it would be good to actually, to be able to change it to, uh, you know, Mr. Spruglethrip. Yeah. which is something that you're never going to say in accidental conversation. Um, I don't understand why they do. Maybe there's a technical reason why they can't do that, where they to be able to pick up the the, the um, trigger word in conversation, they can't just allow you to set it to be whatever you want. But that's one way you would get around this. Hmm. My uh, Mine is in, in, the, is in our bedroom, and, and occasionally, yes, we'll have the TV on in there, and it will start chirping up to do something thinking it's her trigger word and obviously then it it listens to what's going on and it tries to tries to come up with a guess but the thing i hear the thing is i i think if if it's hearing background conversation and it really has no idea what you're trying to ask it to do it will better for it to do nothing rather than give its best guess then go away and do that you know before you know it you have 400 toilet rolls arrived at your front door Yep. Or, or you've sent. Uh, well, this is the problem, isn't it? If, if that happened, it would be annoying. But you know what? You could deal with it. The difficulty with sending a com- background conversation to just to another device with no authentication is that uh, once it's done, it's done. You literally let the genie about out of the bottle. There. Yep. Good thing they weren't talking about the guy it, sent, it got sent to. You know, he apparently was an was a colleague of of her husband. So they could have been running him down. Sure. <laughs> I mean, especially if it picked up his name. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's the unintended consequences that we use technology to make. Look, Western culture right now is way into, um, hey, it's convenient, so why not? Without... Yeah without a context of what this really could mean and what it could really do. And I think people really need to take a step back just because something looks like it's going to be cool and looks like it's going to be helpful. Maybe think it through a little bit. Well, the problem is all of these companies, they are desperately trying to find the next big thing. They're trying to find the next iPod, the next iPhone, the next, um, Whatever it is, switch. Yeah, the, yeah. The next, the next thing that's going to blow up and make them a lot of money. Yep. So they are throwing loads and loads of things at the wall and seeing what stick. And here's the problem. I mean, from a technology standpoint, David, when we started this show in 2010, was it 20? No, it was before, after that, wasn't it? Or was it 2010? Oh, 2010. 2010. The topics that we were talking about, the technology we were using, and I don't remember my podcast recording gear because that hasn't changed. (laughs) Um, Is it really all that different now? I mean, really all that different. We had iPhones, iPads were out. We had video game systems. We had big screen TVs. We had, I mean, it it really hasn't changed all that much. Well, I I think... 
I think you forget actually how much it has changed. There was no prospect in 2010 of us talking to computers and having any idea whether they would understand us or not. There was no prospect in 2010 of having tiny devices that would have massive, massive battery life. There was no prospect of having the sort of computing power you can have today sat on your desk. I mean, the computers we have today were, were the workstations of 2010. But, yeah. no, you can't say we didn't have the we, – we did. We understood that speech recognition was getting better. We understood that computers are going to continue to get faster. I, think, None, I, don't, I don't think I we think have anything now that was seen, unknown in 2010. I really don't. I th- no, I think, I think what we've seen is we've seen a move of this technology away from tech fans like us completely utterly off, off, the, into the commodity mainstream. And also, a lot of it performs so well that – People, people have un- unrealistic expectations. They, they, this is this story is a prime example. They don't expect it to fail like this. Yeah. Because when these things fail, they often fail pretty hard. Autopilot and Tesla is a prime example. You know, we keep seeing the reports of people getting into accidents with it. It's because they uh, they rely on it too much. Yep. They they assume it's infallible because so much of the technology that consumers have around us nowadays. It, it seems virtually magical. Yeah, there was that no prospect true. in 2010 of being able to have um, a computer that you could go, you could hold in your hand, uh, and would have the sort of high-speed net 4G networking that we have today. It was on the horizon. It was far, so far away. And those things are enablers to new stuff: the bandwidth, the processing power, the power consumption, everything has enabled devices that just really couldn't be well conceived in 2010. And, and that's just that's just in eight nine years. You that's know, you go true. back twenty years, and and it's it's like a, it's like the Stone Age. Technology is progressing every yeah. five to ten years faster than it did the hundred years before it, and it's unprecedented in human history. Just the last twenty years, we've had so much new technology, life changing technologies introduced in the last 20 years than we had in the last 200 years combined. Think about yeah. that. Open heart surgery is almost a thing of the past. If you have a heart attack, it's almost you don't have to stay in the hospital. They insert a, a stent and they send you home. Yeah. I mean, heart surgery is not even considered major surgery anymore, blockages. I mean, yeah. famously, just a few months ago, Kevin Smith had a massive heart attack, 100% blockage. You know, the director, Yeah, he was on stage. He was going to do two shows that day. He got off stage. He was sweating profusely. He felt weak. He felt almost like he was going to be sick. Uh, one of his assistants suggested maybe call an ambulance because he just didn't look right. He gets to the hospital and they say, your condition is what we call a widow maker. Yeah. That's how serious it was. And later that day, he is sending Facebook or something video. After having surgery, having the stint put in to open it up. And, and a month later, he's on stage. Not even a month later, weeks, he's back on stage talking yeah. about how he almost died. You know, that was unheard of 20, 30, 40 years ago, let alone yeah. 200 years ago. So it's progressing so fast. Yep. If you'd have and gone, we're not going to slow I mean, it down. 10, 10, the eight years or ten years since this show started is, is is relative. We were already falling headlong into the revolution then. But go back to the turn of the century, 2000. Think about what you were doing. 
in in the year to in, in January first, two thousand. First of all, we were all terrified the world was going to end because of the millennium bug, right? <laughs> How ridiculous does that seem now? Not just because it turned out to be nothing, but because the level of computing engagement we had then compared to what we have today is was a, was a minuscule. I was we are so much more already. dependent on technology <laughs> now than we were then. In two thousand, I was. Seriously, looking at moving my Mac away from a downloadable e magazine to a web only publication. Yep. Yep. In '99, I had actually recorded what would be a precursor to podcasting and sent it to the My Mac staff. Yeah. So, in some respects, I was way ahead of the curve. So were you. But, yeah, but at the, by the same time, if you society wasn't you were doing day by day. Yeah. Yeah. The most sophisticated com- uh, computer you had in your car was probably a CD player. Mm-hmm. It certainly wasn't had, didn't have any, uh, you know, my, my, I remember the, the car I had back then. It didn't have um, uh, electronic uh, engine management or anything like that. It didn't have anti-lock brakes. It certainly couldn't Mind drive it. itself down the freeway. So, you know. Yeah. Unintended consequences, people. Yep. Let's uh, thank our sponsor. It's not an unattended consequence. Uh, we love OWC, and uh, I've mentioned on the show before we're going to have Larry O'Connor at um, MacStock in July, and he is going to be in the game show, the MyMac game show, with me and Guy Searle. And I'm up on their site right now, David, and they've got some really good sales going on. Now, here in the United States, it's Memorial Day weekend. Um, Memorial... Is it Memorial Day, Julie? I think she fell asleep. I'd fall asleep if I was her, too. I mean, she's not sitting too far away from me. And it's, you know, the thing is, she can only hear one side of the conversation. Yep. For me, she's just hearing, yep. And uh and it's your side, so it's the most most boring part. Someone asked me, does Julie listen to the podcast? Oh, my God, are you kidding me? (laughs) I couldn't pay my wife to listen to the show. She hears me all the time. Yeah. Ugh. So, anyways, they do have a uh, big sale going on right now. Here it is, David. Six terabyte, seventy-two hundred, three and a half inch hard drive, hundred and fifty-three bucks. Six terabytes. Six terabytes. <laughs> now, if you went back to <laughs> two thousand and gave either one of us a six terabyte hard drive, number one, we'd have no way to plug the stupid thing in, right? We're like, I understand what it is. It's clearly a hard drive, and six terabytes. Are you kidding me? But we couldn't have connected it, um, but still, six terabyte. Or just how about this, a one terabyte SSD drive back in 2000? Well, there was no SSD back in 2000. Exactly. But I think <laughs> I think we would have understood the concept. It's a solid state drive. It's not a mechanical hard drive. It's, it's akin to RAM, but it holds the data after the power has been shut off. We would have understood that. That concept wouldn't have been foreign to us at all. Well, no, it, it, what would have been foreign would have been the price, because that was, that was the sort of thing you would only see in a lab and probably would have cost about a million dollars. Yes. Yeah, 248 bucks for a one terabyte OWC Mercury Electra, two and a half inch SATA SSD. You know what I'm kind of curious about is why they never really got to the three and a half inch SSD drives. Because, I mean, you could put a lot more stuff in there. Why not a, I, yeah, a twenty I don't, I don't, terabyte? Well, I think even the even the uh, in the biggest SSDs now are about the size of a a stick of gum. Yeah. So there's just no need to, you know. I think I think a lot of a, a lot of people are are um, 
I, I guess if you put an SSD in a, in a computer like that, you put it on a card and put it in a slot rather than uh, necessarily uh, necessarily putting in it putting it on a on a um, on a, in a big three and a half inch box. I just remembered I got a product I have to review. It's been sitting on my uh, shelf for a couple of weeks now. So so here's a comparison. I've just gone back in the on the Wayback Machine. Yeah. To OWC's website, MaxSales.com. Yeah, uh, what's the date on here? This is June twenty first, two thousand. And on the front page, they had a uh, ten gigabytes IBM drive for one hundred eighty seven fifty. A um, thirty W thirty gigabyte OWC FireWire external drive. For three hundred and forty-five dollars, <laughs> right? Thirty gigabyte, which you can now get on an SD card for about eight dollars. Yeah. Right. So that's that's progress for you, um, right there. And but it also shows you how long OWC have been around. Thirty years. I mean, that they're celebrating thirty years of history right yeah. now. I just use the Wayback Machine to look back at this month. Uh, May 2000, my Mac online. Uh, we were up to episode or uh, issue number 61. That was close to the end when we were having downloadable issues. And it's funny. I'm looking at some of the names. Some of it's sad because on the main page, um, out of the apple cart, Susan Howard, she passed away. And then the Nemo Memo, which is John Nemo, he's still with us. And then Mick O'Neill's The Mac Factor, he passed away. Um, Knowledge Spider Web by David Price, I, I, I don't know what happened to him. Um, Liberneth loved the 5300 CE laptop. <laughs> yeah, Fenton Jones FileMaker 101 Part 26, the Senior Macintosh Center, the starting line. I mean, there's uh, uh, Ralph Luciani. Yeah, do you remember back away. then, whenever you wrote a column or something, you had to give it a cool name? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what you did back then. Now Nowadays, everyone just kind of sticks their byline up on the web and blogs underneath it. We had online exclusive. Macintosh bootleggers, Babes in Boyland from Beth Locke, our San Francisco Expo, Macworld Expo coverage. It's uh, it takes me back because boy, that all, all this was so long ago, and, and we had advertisers even back then. Yeah, uh, Small Dog Electronics was uh, it's crazy. It's things have gone come a long way, but yet in some respects, someone who's been kind of in the online publishing business since 1995, it in some respects. It does kind of all kind of blend together. By the way, this yeah. thing that I was telling you about, I forgot I have to review this. Yeah. It's a Western Dish Digital My Passport Wireless SSD. Wireless SSD? Yeah. It's in, let's see. Um, yeah, that's all it says. I think I might have thrown the box away, which kind of sucks. Do I have the box? Nope, I don't have the box anymore. I threw it away. Okay, so I, I'm looking at the website of this. So I can... It's like this orange thing, orange yeah. and black. It's got a yeah. rubber. But it's it's more for mobile. I mean, you hook it up, and I, I guess you actually, well, you set it up through a mobile phone. I don't know. 
it looks cool. I thought, oh, I'll give it a look. It, I think it's been on my shelf for like a month. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a, a hard drive with a built-in wireless access point. Yeah, but it's yeah. an SSD, which yeah. is all fine and dandy, but if you're accessing it over a network anyways... Yeah, but What's it has a difference? USB port on it as well. So I think the idea is is that you use your um, wireless stuff in your camera to transfer stuff to it, and then you plug it into a computer, like photos and things. Yeah, I don't know. That was a power to... bank as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at that right now. I don't know. It looks cool. I'll give it a look-see eventually. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, we're finally getting nice weather. It's going to be like 85 degrees here today, so it's going to be... It just means I got to go work in the yard. Um, yeah. So, yeah, funnily enough, about I, so I'm, I told you I'm going away on vacation next week. Yeah. So I changed over from my iPhone eight plus to a six plus yesterday, purely because my eight plus is my work phone, and if I drop it over the side on a cruise ship, that's like you know seven hundred pounds sure. down, well, to the bottom of the ocean. Whereas if I I lose or break the six plus, then it's substantially yeah. less than that. Who cares? I, well, yeah. But the problem, of course, then I thought, sort of, darn, though, the camera in the 6 Plus is nowhere as good, near as good as the camera in the 8 Plus. No. So does that mean I have to take an extra camera with me now, like a, like a real camera, to compensate oh for my the God. fact that I've got a better phone with me? Right. You can't use a camera phone from two years ago. I know. Jeez, I mean, I, I, it's basically, it's, it would be like going back to the Stone Age. You might as well just it? take someone to draw the pictures of the family. I know. I might as well. Sketch artist. I might as well just not bother. I might as well yeah. just shut my eyes no, the whole yeah. time I'm there. Just, so I don't see why even go? To... Why even go? Yeah, I might as well just stay at home. I think so. So um, let's talk about something different. Let's jump into our uh, wiki trolling. This is different for you, David. I, okay. I, I have been reading comic books since I was a kid. And when I say kid, I mean seven, eight years old. Um, I have a very vivid memory of the very first time I ever bought a comic book. And believe it or not, I, I actually read books before I read comic books. The first big book things that I read was kind of J.R.R. Tolkien. But this character goes back to the mid-80s, late 80s. And I remember going to a comic book store... And I was kind of a uh, mostly Marvel, but I like some DC stuff. But there was this one comic that I would notice on the shelf that I never picked up until I eventually did. And it was called Vigilante. And it looked gritty to me. So Vigilante, and specifically the character Adrian Chase, is what I looked up on Wikipedia. Uh-huh. So I don't even have to read this, to be honest. Adrian Chase was a judge. And kind of copying the whole Punisher thing. Mm -hmm. uh, this was going to be DC's Punisher. Um, and at the time, it was actually better than the Punisher, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, he's a judge, very law and order guy, and his family is killed by bad guys. That pushes him over the edge. He becomes the vigilante. But almost overnight, he's a, a marksman. He's almost a karate guy i mean eventually they get to his origin and it's a mystical origin which i was like eh, i don't care for that much yeah. um but i liked the character but more importantly i liked the story arc now the original vigilante well the 80s one anyways it was one way back in the day where he was a cowboy or something um it it ran for 50 issues 
And while they had other DC characters in it occasionally, there was a big Batman special once, um, and Cyborg from the Teen Titans before Cyborg was a big character. Mm-hmm. He becomes the vigilante. He starts going down a very dark path. He falls in love again, and he stops being vigilante before it's known that he's the vigilante. Right. And another person becomes vigilante, but they don't. They don't stop following the Adrian Chase character, where this this vigilante character that he created is now somebody else, and he can't take it. And he tries to get, he figures out who it is. He tries to get this person to stop being the vigilante and that person dies and someone else becomes a vigilante. So it's driving Adrian chase crazy that this thing he created, which he now recognizes was bad, continues to live on. Eventually he becomes a vigilante again and he goes to the extreme. When you think of vigilanteism as a concept, it's not superheroes. It's, a person that's not in law enforcement taking the law into his own hands, yeah. which is a very bad thing. We can glorify Superman and Batman and Wolverine and all of those, the Avengers, but at its core, it's actually a really bad idea. You don't want citizens taking the law into their own hands. You have to have due process. And yeah, here's somebody that's... The problem is, is that obviously a, a vigilante mm-hmm. does not necessarily take the care to get the right people i mean funnily enough this character reminds me of the uh uh the character in death wish yes you know the charles bronson movie where it's exactly the same thing his wife his wife is killed her son his daughter's left in a coma so he goes out buys a gun and he just basically starts deliberately trying to get mugged so he can shoot the muggers so he he is he adrian chase breaks down after these two other people who were vigilante die in the in the outfit. So he finally resumes the role of vigilante and he goes beyond the superhero stuff. He he will shoot a jaywalker. I mean because that is the natural extension of this kind of a psychosis. Yeah. He takes it so far that he realizes the only way to really stop the vigilante is to stop himself. And in the issue, I think it's 49, he actually commits suicide. Now this is the end of the eighties, early nineties or so. Um, he kills himself, which this is a comic book. Yeah. You know, he, he puts the gun to his head and pulls the trigger and it's done. It was such a powerful, story arc where it started in episode one or issue one where it's very comic booky and it gets pretty freaking dark pretty quickly it's almost yeah. it's almost a breaking bad but in comic book form and there's some bad issues don't get me wrong but it was the same writer the entire time and he said he, this was the natural conclusion to the adrian chase story this is what he always intended he wanted to start it as kind of the typical vigilante punisher type of clone guy who oh his family's killed and he's going to go for revenge and now he's a superhero and but he wanted to take it the opposite direction that this is an unhealthy thing and anybody who would do this probably has some mental issues to begin with 
Yeah. And then he, he tries to pull back. He tries not to do this anymore. And others take up the mantle. One that's very earnest and tries to be a good guy and is win, in way over his head and dies. The next one is a complete sociopath that takes this and goes way far from where it should be until Adrian, I have to do it myself. But at this point, he's mentally completely unstable. I mean, towards the end of the series, he's got this kind of scraggly looking beard and he looks like crap and he's unwashed and he's almost homeless, you know? Yeah. And yet at the end, he kind of does the right thing by taking his own life because that was the logical conclusion. But of course that's not the answer, you know? And it's towards the end when he's at his lowest is when he comes across Batman and as a reader of the comic book, you're hoping that, oh, maybe a vigilante can beat Batman. You totally yeah. can't beat Batman. Batman whoops him. <laughs> it's yeah. not even close. And you see through Batman how far, because it's been its gradual process for the reader. But through Batman, you see how far Adrian Chase has really just fallen. Yeah. And the lady he fell in love with that pulled him out from being vigilante she completely loses her mind because of this whole thing too. It's just such a tragic yet well-written story by Marv Wolfman. Um, it's one of these that you, you, nobody ever talks about. You never hear, you probably didn't know anything about Adrian chase. I'd never heard of it. Exactly. No. It, it, it. I mean, but so I, I recognize the story path in other characters. I think, I think it sounds like this thing has been heavily ripped off all the, the, more recent kind of screen adaptations of Batman kind of take the whole, you know, tortured, barely in control of himself thing yeah. further. Obviously, uh, I mean, a, a direct parallel show that I really like is, is Arrow on TV. Sure. That is exactly the same story. The funny thing is about Arrow is they actually introduced Vigilante in that series. Now, yeah, so, it really I saw, isn't. So I've just read. Yeah. It's not really that vigilante. They 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 give the character the same Adrian Chase, but it's actually yeah. somebody else. They completely yeah. destroy it. So I was very disappointed. But if you want to if you want to read a good comic book series, I don't know where you could even find it. You could probably find it on some torrent site at this point. Yeah. But go to a used comic book store. See if you could pick the series up. It's never been collected in trade paperback. There's 50 issues, plus I think those two annuals maybe. It's absolutely brilliant. I actually have them digitally. Just I don't remember where I got them at this point. I've had them for many, many years. But I have the original issues. I have all of them. I have the entire series. So I never felt bad about getting this in digitally, digital form because I have them. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. It's one of these series that after you read it, you're like, this is what they should interpret for a mini series, you know, an FX or HBO type of series where they can take ostensibly these dark themes and give you a whole different perspective on superheroes. Now, I don't think it's a mistake, David, that this came out in the eighties because quite honestly, the eighties was the golden age of comic books. It really was. I know the sixties with the go. I'm talking about for the modern age of comic books, the eighties had some of the very best stories that quite honestly is what's influencing everything that we're seeing on screen now. Yeah. You know, that's where the Watchmen came in. That's where the mm -hmm. dark Knight came in, you know, stories like the vigilante came in, 
This was, you know, Dark Phoenix. This is all the 80s. This is the Secret yep. Wars, the whole event thing. We wouldn't have got Infin- Infinity War without Secret Wars. That's where it started. You take yeah. all these different comic book characters and you put them together and here's this big event. That was the that's the origin of the whole thing. And yeah. it was these comic book writers and artists in the 80s that elevated this entire publishing platform to an entirely different level and gave it a new life that we're still reaping the benefits from. It's rare yeah. when you could trace the origins this accurately. Alan Moore, who wrote um, Watchmen, mm-hmm. and V for Vendetta, he he wrote two issues of uh, Vigilante. Yes, I know. According to this, uh, and yeah, if you if anybody listening who wants to find it, yeah, just put the right words into Google, the three obvious words: yeah. Vigilante, Cobic, and then the T word, and Top Hit will get you one to fifty and the annuals. Yeah, it's worth reading, David. I know you're going on vacation. You're going to need some reading material. Yep. Take it. I'm, I, I, you will not be just, there's some, it's in the mid, I mean, I mean, the way it starts out, he's got sidekicks and you're like, this is very tropey. I get it, but it doesn't stay that way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Marv Wolfman created the series and then read the Watchmen or something and went, you know what? I could take this character. Now he says this was the plan all along. I seriously doubt that. The artwork gets a whole lot better about a third of the way through. Yeah. And the themes get darker and it gets more gritty. And you could see, you can almost see it progressing. But taken as a whole, there's some pretty bad issues at the beginning. But, oh, it's so good. I don't like his origin. I think that was tropey. But as a whole, fantastic. I wish somebody... If I would become a comic book writer, I would want to write Vigilante. I would I would reboot Adrian Chase. I would take that character and start again, and I'd have exactly the same ending. Eventually, this character is going to kill himself. But I would like to tell new tales with that character. I think it would be great. Yeah, sounds very cool. Yeah, I will have to look at this. So with that, David, I think we'll wrap up a little bit shorter this week. I've got a lot of yard work to do. you got to get ready for vacation. Um, anything you want to wrap up with? Uh, no, there's nothing going on. Obviously, I won't be here next week. I shall be cruising the high seas. We may so, uh, take a week off. I may record a solo, or I may pull someone and don't know yet. Okay, well, well I'll find out next weekend That's when right. I get back onto land and can download, um, update my podcatcher. So we'd love to welcome uh, feedback from our listeners. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Of course, you can always go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a comment or mymac.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Love to hear from you guys. Um, yeah, I, we heard from Brendan this week um, about the things we talked about last week, and uh, he agreed with everything we said. So, yeah, that's so cool. Don't even need to repeat <laughs> it then, right? Yeah. <laughs> See you guys next, uh, well, maybe next week, if not the week after. Yeah. Okay, then. Bye. Bye.